Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. I've got an awesome guest today. I'm so excited to have her on the show, Krista Gorman. Krista is a physician assistant who only three weeks after graduating from her PA training program suffered cardiopulmonary arrest and died while in labor with her daughter. During the eight minutes she was without a detectable heartbeat, her consciousness transitioned into what we call the afterlife, where she underwent a profound reconnection with the most divine love that she experienced as the universe. Krista is an active member of the International Association for Near-Death Studies, IANS, and presented in the 2014 and 2015 annual conferences. She has also presented at the 2016 and 17 conferences alongside her husband, Ainsley Threadgold, who also has experienced an NDE. Some of her story and the lessons she learned in the afterlife are shared in her book, I Died and Learned How to Live, which is available on Amazon. This is her story and this is her passion. Krista, I'm so excited to have you on to Passion Harvest. Really welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I've got a lot of questions. I don't know where to start, <laughs> but I'd, I guess people, you know, are fascinated by NDEs. Would you mind uh, just if you feel comfortable talking about that, the lead up to that um, and in labor with your daughter? Yes. Who's called Maggie, by the way. Yes, Maggie. <laughs> My Maggie. Um, My Maggie. Yeah, I was induced into labor. So um, when my labor wasn't progressing fast enough, they... Um, they were getting a little bit concerned. It had been about 13 hours or so. Mm-hmm. And um, my, Maggie's heart rate was dropping very low, um, dangerously low. And in my training as a PA, I knew that the first time that happened, that a C-section was inevitable. Right. So when I saw her heart rate drop, I, I felt that I felt sort of a, a drop in my heart actually oh. as well, because I really wanted to be able to deliver her myself. So there was this little like resistant feeling. I was like, oh, I need a C-section. I know I do. So the uh, nurse with midwife came in and, and um, the next thing to do is put an internal monitor on, on the baby. And that involves screwing an electrode into their scalp. So oh when they did that to her, um, they, she had a reflex, I believe, and kicked, she just kicked very hard. Um, and pushed amniotic fluid into my bloodstream and my body saw it as foreign and surrounded it with cells to try to get rid of it. Well, those cells clotted off my lungs, the vasculature in my lungs. So all of a sudden after this occurred, after the electrode was, was placed or while it was being placed, I had trouble breathing and very, very rapidly. And I'm talking like a matter of seconds the nurses had oxygen on me, had me turned onto my left side and they were wheeling me out of the room to the labor and delivery room across the hall Mm. or pardon me to the operating room across the hall and calling code blue. Which is not a good 
code blue, I understand is not. It's not good. Okay. And I, <laughs> and I, I passed, I like passed out. I say passed out. I, I went out or I died in the hallway. Uh, my last memory was of just trying to suck air into my lungs. And it was like trying to breathe through a teeny tiny straw. Um, I just couldn't get any more air. And the next point of my awareness was being far above my, my body, although I didn't recognize me on the table. I didn't know that that was me. I didn't know that was a body. I didn't know people were around me. I had no reference for anything that I could see. And I could see. Um, that was the only sort of sense that I had, other than my understanding that I was Krista. I was still my, my sort of consciousness. Right. And although I had no memories of being human, I didn't know what human was. All that existed for me was my vision and feeling. And I felt um, interested. I felt sort of neutrally like, oh, that's very interesting. I wonder what's you know, going on. But I wasn't thinking. It was all feeling. Right. So I watched the body. I saw the body. And I saw as black particles came shooting up from it. It was really like a, around my chest and sort of head area. And they all came, they came shooting up to where my vision was and sort of surrounded me in this undulating kind of static cloud. And I thought again, how interesting this is. And I looked back down and I saw my doctor, and I now know he was delivering Maggie. And there was like something in a blue towel. And I saw a man walk in the door and stand there for a moment in blue scrubs. And he's just sort of stood there for a second. Then he walked up to the edge of the bed. And I later found out that my, uh, my doctor's partner showed up to help him during the, the delivery of Maggie and the after, a little bit of the aftermath. So again, I'm, I'm up there and I'm looking and I see this happen and, and I see them hand Maggie to somebody at my right shoulder and she turned around very fast. And I thought, oh, wait, I wanna know what that is. And I drifted around the other side of the room towards my left side. And there was somebody at my left shoulder putting something into my chest. Um, and I, again, I was having that feeling of really wanting to know more, um, feeling more connected, like more attached to the situation. Whereas before I was very detached. And as soon as that feeling started to grow within me, I felt a tug to my left. And it was as, as if somebody's pulling on your shirt right. and I was like, no, I, I want to stay. And it pulled harder. And I realized, just intuitively knew that I, I needed to go. And I said, felt, okay. And as soon as I felt that, I was pulled from the, from the room. I went through the wall and through this white, bright flash of, of space and into the same particles I was, very dense this time. And I was moving along, although it was imperceptible. And I could, I could see next to me, there was the dense particles and then it would become sort of fluid-like and it was sort of gray and a little bit of white. And, and then it would go back to the dense particles. And all of a sudden I stopped and I had an instantaneous download of information. It was like a funnel. And then it, it all came to one point and that point was love. And love was sort of everything. Love was the answer to all the questions that I ever had in, in my existence here. Um, it was the answer to everything. And I felt the love. I felt this 
incredible bliss um, it, beyond words in description. It was, it was absolutely the best feeling ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, you know, I, that's, this is amazing. And then off to my right, there was a little white sort of speck in the darkness and I wanted to go to it. I had a desire to go and it, it wanted me to come to it. So I started moving in that direction. And as I moved closer, it got wider and wider and wider. And pretty soon it was sort of a, a, a wide um, opening, like a circle with a cloudy sort of essence to it. Um, foggy, I guess I could say. And there were shadow beings there. And in the front was a little boy. And he, I would describe him as like a little Tom Sawyer kind of boy. He was like, I, I just knew he was about seven and he was wearing this wide brim, round brim hat and overalls and he needed my help. And there were adult shadow beings behind him and they were just sort of there and I wanted to help him. So I moved into that space and the shadow being sort of, sort of fanned out um, in a, in a bit of a line um, on one side of the space. And I was sort of in the middle and I, I looked around and I didn't see the boy and I wondered, Oh, where did he go? And I felt the desire of all of these shadow beings for my help. They all wanted my help and I wanted to help them all. So as soon as they felt that they started to come at me sort of one by one and dart away. And I didn't know what they were doing at first. And I realized that as they were doing it, my vision started to sort of fade. And I felt, I don't want to be here anymore. And I was pulled out of there. So wow. when I was pulled out, I was back into the really dense particulate matter. And then for, fairly quickly merged through another opening that was less distinct. It was in the dark particulate matter. And I merged through there and it was this glorious, beautiful landscape of bright yellow flowers out ahead of me and this evergreen forest to my right and to my left, a, a moss, um, a rocky moss covered, beautiful waterfall. And then in the distance, there were um, undulating hills, green hills and trees and a blue sky. And it was just beautiful. And I, I merged with it. It was me and I was it and, and, and we were one. And it was just the, you know, the most amazing feeling. And I would, then I was flanked on both sides by these tall beings. And they were probably, I would say, like nine feet tall. And they were there and they were there to support me. And they communicate, everything was through feeling. So they communicated to me, you can stay here. You can go beyond this to what comes next, or you can go back. And I could have stayed there forever and ever and e eternally. I didn't know what came next and I didn't know what I left behind, but I chose to come back. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I felt that, I started moving backwards and they sort of turned, they turned towards me and communicated again through feeling, if you go back, you need to share what you learned here. And I said, okay. And I wasn't quite sure exactly what that was until I had a recall of my NDE um, about three weeks after I got home from the hospital. I was in 
the ICU um, right after the event, they got me back after eight minutes of pulselessness. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it was um, from 918 in the morning until 926 in the morning. That's what's documented. Right. Um, and then I, I had started to bleed uncontrollably during the C-section, which, which happens after an amniotic fluid embolism. Um, so they were transfusing me in the ICU. They had me intubated, um, sedated because I was very restless and they had no idea what, what sort of shape I'd be in when they brought me, they had induced a coma and then they were going to bring me out of it as soon as I was stable enough. And I was stable enough about 24 hours after the event and they started to bring me out of it. And as I came out of it, they realized that I was here. I was making, you know, eye movements. And so that was very encouraging to everyone. Mm -hmm. Initially, they had been told I had a 50-50 chance of surviving. And if I did survive, that I would need 24-hour care for the rest of my life. So my family was prepared for that. Yeah. And, um, and so at about 36 hours after the event, they took the tube out and... Um, I started to very slowly, I started to come around. Um, they decreased the medicine that they had me on to keep me from thrashing about the bed. Um, and then at one point, at, very soon after that, um, there, there was, I could hear something going on in, outside the ICU. And I wanted to know what it was. So I climbed, I unhooked myself from everything, climbed out of the bed. I climbed over the railing. <laughs> And I flung the curtain open and I was, I just wanted to know what was going on. And my family saw me and came rushing over. The nurses came rushing over. They got me back into bed, got me back hooked up to everything. And I was, I was really mad at that point. I, I just wanted to go home. I was fine. And I just wanted to go home. So they were, they were amazed. They couldn't believe it. Um, they didn't let me go home, but they did let me leave the ICU. <laughs> and go to a private room and I I was very um I had no short-term memory those first few days I had to keep being reminded of why I was there that I had had a daughter um that my name was Krista and um and then on as I continued to improve on the sixth day they brought Maggie to me she had been moved to another hospital so she could be in the neonatal ICU she had had um, some issues with her breathing when she first came out. And um, so they monitored her and she was doing great. And they released her and brought me, brought her to me. And I remember them handing her to me and I already knew her. I was like, oh. yeah, this is not the first, our first meeting. And then I, I remember feeling, I could feel everybody in the room. I could feel their fear. I could feel their um, uh, feeling of, not being sure how everything was and how I was going to be. And I thought they, I thought they had, and then I felt they had expectations of me. And then I felt like, okay, well, what should I do? Oh, I should count her fingers and her toes. Cause that's what every mom does, <laughs> yeah. right? So I had to play and I was counting. And I just looked at her and I could see almost through her eyes. It was like, I just felt like we, we had just known each other before. And at this point, I didn't have any recall of my experience. I went home and I was just blissed out completely. 
and my family was like, what is going on? Because Krista was very type A before this. And um, I was all about being a PA. I had just graduated three weeks before from my PA program. And that was all wiped away. Um, I didn't have any memory of that. I didn't want to be a PA. And all I wanted to do was share this love, but I didn't know what the love was. And so I just was in my own little space with my daughter and just loving her and just being completely content and no anxiety. Nothing was, was, could be wrong in the world. Everything was perfect just the way it was. And then about three weeks later, I woke up one morning after um, having the recall of my near-death experience in a dream during sleep, um, I should say, because it's, it wasn't a dream. It was sort of the universe was giving me not my knowledge of it. Yes. Um, and I feel like it was because before that, I would have discounted it in this 3D world. I would have sort of said, oh, that's impossible. That that's a dream. Or yes, it was just, it was my brain chemicals, you know, going crazy. But because it was, it came through at a time when I had recovered um, so, a little bit up to that point. I was more aware of the, this world and, and who I was and, you know, things were coming back to me. I was remembering things and, and then this happened and, and it was my entire experience. And I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, I, that's the way I've been feeling this way. And it was phenomenal. And I, I just wanted to like shout from the hilltops what had happened. And, and I tried to share it with my husband who was very sympathetic, but he didn't quite get it. And I wasn't getting the response from people that I wanted because I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And you guys are just like, oh, we're just really glad you're, you came back. We're glad you're okay. So I started doing research online and I found Jeffrey Long, um, who is an NDE researcher. Um, you probably are aware of him. And, and I emailed him and I, and I just said, I think something may have happened. I'm not really sure but I just wanted to contact you and see if you had any suggestions for me about who to talk to. And he gave me his website and um, he said, you'll find um, stories there that you may be able to relate to. And then he said, and pay attention to your dreams. And right then it was validating to me because my scientist was like, you, this, that, that wasn't anything, you know, again, the ego, this, that my scientist was trying to discount it. Yes. even though every point in my being knew that it was true, that it happened. So, you know, I, I was validated there. And I remember sitting in front of the computer just sobbing because it was like, thank you. Someone understands um, me. Yes. And that was in 2000. So there wasn't a whole lot that I could find on NDEs at, at that time. Um, I did find the International Association of Near-Death Studies and I did reach out to them as well. And there was a local chapter here um, in Sarasota. And I, I tried reaching out to them, but I didn't really recall getting anywhere. Um, but regardless, I did find some people to talk to locally. And they had both had very religious experiences and were, wanted to talk about the, the religiousness of mm -hmm. their experience. And I couldn't relate to that. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of just put it away. I had to work. I had to raise my daughter. I was a wife and I had to get it together and start living my life. 
but the whole time this this sort of agreement that I had made, this commitment that I had made to share this profound love, I, I needed to do that too, but I had no idea how to be that love in this world. It just wasn't, it wasn't taught to me. It wasn't, I didn't feel supported. Um, and everyone wanted me to be the old me, but, and I didn't really know how to be that either. So I sort of floundered around and just kept, my NDE was there every day and I would just push it away and go on and go to the grocery store, you know, or take care of my daughter and yeah. go to work, do all the things that we do here. Um, but yeah, so that, that was my experience and that's how it, it sort of um, immediately affected me um, in the months afterwards. Wow. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing that story. That was incredible. <laughs> I do have a few questions about your NDE. Um, you talk about when you went to these different, I don't, I don't know how you would term them, but planes or realities. Mm -hmm. You had no awareness of, a, of your physical body as such. You could call it a soul or a spirit. You, you weren't in the physical, feeling your physical body. Correct. And you talk about the, the, the shadow beings. Mm -hmm. Is it like when we see images of, just basically a dark shadow when we've seen photos. Is, is that what, it, is that what they look like? And were they obviously from your um, description, they weren't necessarily positive things. Yeah. What did they felt like? They felt sort of to me in my perception, they felt sort of neutral mm -hmm. in that I didn't feel that they were bad and I didn't feel they were good. They just sort of were. And they simply needed help. Um, they were what I would say, you know, how, when you lay down on the ground and you draw with chalk around your body yes. and yeah, and create, or you, you know, go up against a wall or whatever, they were sort of shaped like that. Okay. Um, but very indistinct. There were no faces or, or personalities or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, they were individuals, but I couldn't identify any of them. And how I felt was again, neutral. I wasn't afraid. Um, and the love that I had felt in before that, before I entered that space, that was still there, but it was sort of peripheral. This, this other sort of neutrality came in. And what I realized years later, after finally coming to a point where I could process my experience, yes. I realized that in my life up to that point, I had tended to sacrifice myself for others as far as, as, um, you know, not putting myself first, like so many of us do. Beautiful analogy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's where in that space, I chose me when I could have chosen differently. And I felt like that was the universe and me, because I feel like I created my NDE and the universe created it as well. Like we were co-creators of this mm -hmm. experience and it was meant for me to check in. And where are you, Krista, in your, in your um, expansion here in this 3D world? Um, are you where you would like to be? Or do you have more work to do? And I felt like that point in that space was a very, a very important piece of my evolution here. If I was going to continue to expand in my awareness and evolve, I needed to choose me first, to love me before I can truly love others. 
So that was my lesson there. And it's a very hard lesson, I think, for all of us. And it's almost like I feel that you came into your power. You know, you owned your incredible power and beauty that you are. Yes, thank you. And that we all are. That we all are, yes. Yes, absolutely. That we all are. And we all have the ability to, to love ourselves to the extent that, that we are loved, that source loves us, the universe loves us. Um, we just um, have the task or the, the experience of awakening to that here. And that's what relationship is. Um, we're mirrors for one another, you know, to grow in awareness of, of who we really are. And um, that sort of, that uh, catapulted me. The experience really catapulted me forward because I have things to do here. I have people to speak with. I have things to share, love to share. Um, and, and I needed to, to have that experience in order to move forward. Lovely. And, and you say when you came back from, from your, at the time you didn't know it was a near-death experience, but you had this feeling of overwhelming bliss, which is quite common in NDE experiences. Yeah. And you also talk about how you could feel everyone in the room when you first came to in the hospital um, and STEs, which is spiritually transformative experiences. It, it's quite common to for your um, consciousness to be heightened and your psychic abilities to be heightened after an NDE. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is very interesting. Yes. And I found that as I integrated it more into my life over the years, that I've become more so, you know, in my ability to uh, interpret the energies and to um, sort of navigate within them, navigate myself while maintaining my center of being and being the, the, lovingly detached human that I am here, you know, um, it's, it's helped heal relationships in my life and, and helped, um, to guide me in my, in my work, in my literal employment, my job as a PA. Um, and that's been very, very important. I just met with, with someone that this morning that, um, I've known for probably about six years in the capacity of first uh, an acquaintance um, and then as my patient in the emergency room and then my patient in pain management where I just came from. Um, so it's been, it's been very interesting. And we talked about these, these sort of um, this sort of journey that we've had of running into each other. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we talked a lot about the things actually that we're talking about now. We talked about it this morning and, and she, uh, she and I shared some, some wonderful conversation about all of it. And, you know, she's on, she's on her journey of awakening. And um, so this stuff really does help. It helps people to awaken. And I love how, I mean, I, I just picked up the word when you said detach, because I think, especially on my journey, and I can only speak for myself, but I think detachment people think sometimes when you detach yourself, it's being, um, and I don't even like the word selfish or cold, but it's not cold. It's more not, uh, becoming so emotive and just observing the world in which we live as you know, everything is a mirror, which I think you talked about mirrors before, but detachment, uh, conscious detachment, I think is quite a, um, step forward. Yeah, I agree. It's, and it's a, it's a, it's a way of affirming ourselves in that moment. Um, and it's a way of honoring the other person 
and in them being who they are in that moment. You know, when we're lovingly detached, we're able to, and I, I use the word accept, but allow situations to be as they are without judgment, without our imposing our intentions or imposing our ego into the situation. Um, it, for me, it allows for healthier relationships. Um, it allows for, I guess, over and above everything, it allows for the, the unimpeded flow of energy of the universe through me and into other people and things. Um, there's no resistance there in, in being lovingly detached. You know, you're just sort of, you're just sort of allowing and letting everything be as it is because it's Sorry. perfect. You explained yeah. that so well. I think I'm going to replay that and probably quote it. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about your love. You know, you experienced the love for someone who obviously hasn't experienced. What, what did this incredible love, uh, how can I say, if you can explain it in more detail, what did it feel like? It felt, oh boy, this is one of the biggest challenges. This is a tricky one. <laughs> one of the, it's putting the, the experience into human words i'm sorry to do this and i know there was no words at all but I'm just, i just wanted to ask the question no no it's great it's it's oh pardon me it's one of those things um yeah that's that's um i've heard i've heard it said that no tongue has soiled it <laughs> it's like it's like our it's we have feeble attempts to describe it but i i will feebly attempt to describe it it's um it is the ultimate magnificence of all that is. It's the most amazing love that you could ever imagine experiencing. And then multiply that by infinite, infinity. <laughs> um, nothing else, visit, you know, speaking from the perspective of our 3D world, nothing in this world compares to it that most of us have experienced thus far. And one of the things, that's why it was so challenging for me to bring that love into my life and share it with other people. I had to first um, sort of find my way back to the love that I am. That love is what we are. Yes. And we, we just forget when we come here, we forget. And we have these experiences that are loving and not so loving and loving and not so loving. And the extent of the loving experiences varies tremendously. So, you know, we grow up into this world with this, with various ideas of what love is. Um, but what, I experienced love as was absolutely everything. And um, it is the most unconditional, magnificent, blissful feeling. Unconditional love is like nothing else. And we are perfect. And being, being good with our perfection, being good with who we are, with what we are, with everything in our life, just as it is, that, that scrapes it, that sort of touches it. 
um, that feeling that I had. It's freedom. It's phenomenal. Everything. It's everything. Yeah. And even though your experience was many years ago, you're still, you know, significantly touched and motivated by it that, you know, that you mentioned that they said, come back to this life or come back to your 3D world or your humanness Mm -hmm. and spread your message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you had a message in a sentence and it's, God, I'm going in words again. (laughs) (laughs) It's all we have. Oh gosh, I know. (laughs) Well, there wouldn't be much of a podcast or an interview if we spoke (laughs) energetically. We'd just be sitting here for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is your I mean yes I know your message is love and everything but if you had to put it in one phrase or one paragraph or one sentence what is your main message to the audience that's listening oh my gosh well no pressure <laughs> love it's that simple okay if, if we put love in the forefront of every decision that we make every thought that we have every interaction that we have the love of self first because we are obligated to ourselves first then love of others and if we have love in the forefront of what we are who we are how we are then everything else takes care of itself love truly is the answer to everything yeah lovely thank you for sharing that and talking about love let's segue into your husband who also has an nde (laughs) ainsley how did that happen it was very how did you meet well we agreed to meet before we came here um oh okay he was he, when he, he had a near-death experience when he was 13, he was hit by a car. And during his experience, um, I appeared to him energetically. I appeared to him and said, you don't know me, but I want you to come find me. Wow, that's and amazing. He didn't have a recall of his experience until he was 35. He was 13 when he was hit. Um, and he recalled it during uh, a, a regression hypnosis session because he had been having all these things happen to him through his life that he couldn't explain. Mm. And he just, he kept getting closer and closer to the answer um, into his twenties and thirties. And then finally got his answer during this therapy session where he recalled his near death experience. Um, he was friends with, he's from the United Kingdom. He was friends with, a woman who had had a near-death experience as well um, and wanted to start a Facebook group called uh, Positivity Power Movement. Okay, nice. And Yeah. And so the two of them, um, they started this group. But what, what had actually originally brought them together was Dr. Penny Sartori, who has written several books mm-hmm. about near-death experience. Um, she was a, an ICU nurse in the UK and started studying these, these phenomena when patients would report them to her in the ICU. Um, so she, I was drawn to her because I was looking for a publisher for my book. I died and learned how to live. And I came across Watkins publishing and she, her book was there and she was a nurse. And I thought, Oh, she'll get me. 
So I'm going to send her an email. And I just sent her a quick hello. I, I'm reaching out to you just to say hi and connect. And, yep. and she got back to me um, fairly quickly. And she said, I'd like to connect you with Kelly Walsh, who is also in the UK. Now, Ainsley, when he was on his journey to uh, recall his NDE, he had gone to an osteopathic physician because from his accident, he always had sciatica and he needed to be adjusted. And then he mentioned to the doctor, he's like, yeah, he said, that was from my accident. He's like, you know, since then I haven't been able to wear a watch or um, I mess up electrical equipment, it seems. And the doctor had Penny's book in his office. And he said, I think that you might benefit from reading this book. So he took the book and he read it and he's like, I found myself in that book. And I reached out to Penny and Penny said, oh, let me put you in touch with Kelly Walsh. So Penny was the sort of the middle person here orchestrating all of this. <laughs> And so Ainsley and I became aware of each other on the Facebook group. And um, we were both at points in our lives where our marriages were ending. And the synchronous thing was that he had been with his spouse uh, for 17 years. I had been married to my spouse for 17 years. Long time. And we both, yes. And we both met our, our ex-spouses when we were young. And um, yeah, it was very interesting that, that sort of synchronicity there, but we were friends. Um, and we were just chatting and, and he mentioned, you know, like my, I'm not really, I don't think I'm going to be married much longer. And I said, that's really interesting. Cause I don't think I am either. We're sort of on this path together. So we, we both had, um, you, you know, a separation in our lives and, and he and I sort of lost touch for a while. Um, and then reconnected again months later and started talking again. And we we're both healing from, from our relationships and the things that we were meant to learn from them and, and recognizing all that. And so we shared a lot of our experiences along that path. And, um, and it just evolved, you know, into, into uh, a, a love. And the interesting thing was, was when we first connected, he, I watched a video of him and I, and it just, hit me. Like I felt like I was hit by a train. It was his energy and, and who he was. It, it just knocked me off my feet. And I, me being the, the sort of neutral scientist that I am, <laughs> I was like, well, this is, this is very interesting. I'm just going to reactive. Gonna, yeah. Not reactive. <laughs> okay. You know, but at, at the same time, we're all talking about love and positivity and, and it's like, yes. well, I, I loved him, you know, as, as a human being but I felt something a little bit different, you know, a little bit more than that in it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really sure about that. And, but it evolved over time and, and it was sort of like, I look back now and I, and he understands too. It's like, there was a recognition there of, of us and of us taking this journey together. And we've had multiple things happen um, in our relationship over the years. This was in 2015. Um, where, um, you know, the non-locality connection is there and very strong. And, um, and it just, every time that happens, it's sort of like a, a little hug from the universe. It feels like, like, yeah, you guys are doing great. You're on your path together. And he has the same desire as to share, to share love and, and, um, help other people. Um, right. so yeah, so he's here now living in the States. We got married uh, a few years ago and congratulations. Thank you. And uh, he immigrated last year and, 
and so he's here now and and we're walking our path under the same roof wow <laughs> i'm just thinking you know imagine for me like i'm just getting so emotive at your story i'm trying not to react but how i would be so nervous after all this time corresponding on facebook or whatever it might be actually meeting him in person oh was that <laughs> It was, yeah, it was like one of those movie moments where you're like, oh, you know, oh. <laughs> in the airport. I, I flew to the UK and, and met him in the airport. And I would have been so nervous. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was funny because, you know, I'm, I get nervous, yeah. uh, but I really wasn't up until the plane was physically landing on the runway. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to study myself and I'm shaking and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is this going to be like? And it was just like, he and I were the only two that existed. That's how it felt. And in that airport. And, um, yeah, we just, we floated for the 10 days that I was there. Um, what a wonderful love story. Yeah. It's been amazing. It's been the greatest. My daughter was my, my NDE, my daughter together were like, the most amazing things ever and coming together with Ainsley now mm. is, is right par with all of that. It's like the best gift in the universe. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm just pausing for a minute cause it's such a beautiful love story. <laughs> I've got to say congratulations again. Thank you. I know um, we were just chatting briefly before the show started about synchronicities that you, we thought you, thought I thought we might mention on the show um, about your career and how things just happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've, I've sort of struggled a bit in my career. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's co-created. Mm -hmm. um, my struggle really has been finding uh, uh, an area of medicine where I feel is best aligned with me. In Western medicine, um, it's challenging for me to find that alignment. It had been. So I've sort of, I've dabbled in different specialties over the years. I've been a PA for 20 years and I never really found my niche. Um, I was in the ER most recently for over seven years. And then I moved into um, it's interventional pain management. And people say, oh my gosh, how do you deal with, with people in pain every day, all day? Yeah. And I can, because I have gone through the process of integrating my NDE. I've gone through the process of, of finding a way to live in my, in my physical body, in this physical world, where I'm practicing things that on a moment by moment basis, which bring me to who I really am mm. in every moment. So my ability to take care of people um, who are in pain, I'm not absorbing them. I'm not absorbing their energy. I'm, I'm steady in my own energy and I'm there for them. So I'm, I'm that solid sort of, of helper that they need um, in order to live their life a little bit easier, yeah. you know, maybe. Um, so that's been, that's been my, my PA journey. And most recently I have been uh, feeling like something needed to change again. Um, I've been in this position for a year and 
I was sort of feeling like, okay, I'm ready for the next part of my journey. I really am ready. And I asked the universe, please show me what it is that I need to be shown at this point in order to help to move me forward. I'm ready. I am ready. So I was laid off my job. <laughs> oh, yes. Two, two weeks later, I was unexpectedly laid off my job. Do we and have to be careful what we ask for? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, but, kind of, but yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, we are so, such powerful manifestors. Yes. We are so powerful. I've and, learned, sorry to interrupt, but I just no. have to say when, when, and to the audience as well, when you ask for something and you allow it, it happens pretty quickly. It, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that you've got to get out of the concept of time because you've got to be patient, but it does start happening very quickly. Your life can change very quickly. It certainly can. And I couldn't be more grateful because it sort of gave me the, the, the kick in the butt that I needed <laughs> to start on my next part of my journey. You know, I, I wasn't actively looking for the next thing or feeling through the next thing. I wasn't quite there. I was sort of like a little bit content. Mm -hmm. I love my patients and I got to see them every month. Right. And I really, I loved seeing them. I, I loved hearing how their month was. You know, it's like, it just, I was enjoying it. It wasn't completing time, you. But it wasn't completing me. So I was laid off with pay for three months. And mm -hmm. I was asking, one of the things that I asked the universe for was financial security. Mm said, I want to be, have the time to do what I want to do, but be financially secure. That yes. was the general sort of request I had, my, my desire. And here I am having the, all the time I need in the world without having to worry about getting a job tomorrow. And I can, I can do the things that I am inspired to do. So my husband and I decided to, that we were going to move to Hawaii. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yes. And so I'm in the process right now of securing um, employment in Hawaii. And um, my husband who is not a U.S. citizen can actually work as a, as a police officer there um, as a, as a green card holder, they call it. So he has this opportunity now um, because he was a police officer in the UK when he came okay. over. Um, he has this opportunity now to work as a police officer um, in Hawaii. Oh, so it can just be transferred. It can, yes, yeah. he can just um, use, use his skills and, skills. and be, gain some training and that sort of thing. But he really wants to serve the, the people of Hawaii. So I have a, a very good friend that practices as a PA there. She was in my PA school class. And her last name happens to be O'Gorman. Mine is Gorman. Okay. So it's like the universe is just going, come on, just has, has their arm around my shoulder. Come on, we're going to take you this way. This is where you really want to go. And, um, and so that's, you know, if it weren't for my being laid off of my job, then I may or may not have decided mm -hmm. to venture down this road at this point. And, um, you know, sorry about the outside noise. Um, there. I didn't even hear it. That's fine. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> but thanks for making note of it. <laughs> um, Hawaii is a very spiritual place. Um, I had traveled there three times during my the initial um, point of my my like rapid awakening in mm -hmm. 2011, 
and I had had, I had some magical experiences, um, while there and I had wanted to move there then, but my daughter was a tender age and life got in the way. I speak to so many Americans that, you know, the dream is to move to Hawaii. Is is there a particular Island that is more, um, I don't don't necessarily the term spiritual, but is more Mm -hmm. spiritual than the others or. Well, Kauai is, is sort of known for its high vibrational um, positioning. And that's where I went. I had a friend that lived there and I visited her three times during uh, twice in 2011 and once in 2013 when I brought my daughter. And I had some very, very magical experiences there. Um, I felt at home and I felt that I had found my Eden. And it was as if I, I felt as if I could exist there forever. And, and, um, and that's what I came away with when I left there. And, and I've always wanted to go back, but then, you know, life sort of carries on. And, and my daughter, um, she was very involved in, in school sports when, before she graduated a few years ago. And, um, so that, that took precedence, you know, she's, she's passionate about, about rowing and, um, was very good at it. And I would never have taken her away from that. So I stayed, you know, I, I resigned myself. I was perfectly content. And, you know, over the last few years, I've become, you know, more and more um, able to be open again to new possibilities. And then this happened and it was like, perfect, perfect, perfect. I love that. I I can't wait to see what, you know, entails in the next part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Look, sometimes, you know, it's scary. It's all new beginnings. It's unknown, but it is very exciting at the same time. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And it's teaching me so much once again about walking through fear, being courageous and uh, allowing and being patient and willing and, oh gosh, having faith that everything is working out to the highest of possibilities. And um, it's been, it's been a real growth point for me and I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. And you just answered my next question. I always ask if someone's live, wanting to live a passionate life, what would they do? And you've just answered that. So anyone just replay that last bit that Krista said and you'll get your answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Follow your bliss. Absolutely. Follow yeah. your bliss. Yeah. Krista, it's been such a delight to have you on Passion Harvest. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to have you on the show and I want to keep in touch and maybe we'll do another one in a year or two in Hawaii. Oh, yes. I can't wait to see all the incredible things that you'll be doing. Yes. Oh, thank you. That would be wonderful. This has been great. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.